Welcome to Shelter in Place, a podcast about finding daily sanity in a world that feels increasingly insane. Coming to you from Oakland, California, I'm Laura Joyce Davis. You will have to decide if you want this. Want the blessing that comes to you on an ordinary day when you are minding your own path, bent on the task before you that you have done a hundred times, a thousand. You will have to choose for yourself whether you will attend to the signs, whether you will open your eyes to the searing light, the heat, whether you will open your ears, your heart, to the voice that knows your name, that tells you this place where you stand, this ground so familiar and therefore unregarded, is in fact holy. You will have to discern whether you have defenses enough to rebuff the call, excuses sufficient to withstand the pull of what blazes before you, whether you will hide your face, will turn away back toward what exactly? No path from here could ever be ordinary again, could ever become unstrange to you, whose seeing has been scorched beyond all solving. You will know your path not by how it shines before you, but by how it burns within you, leaving you whole as you go from here, blazing with your inarticulate, your inescapable yes. I came across this poem by Jan Richardson a few days ago. It felt so appropriate to the times that I wondered if she'd written it just this week. I'd skimmed over the title, and when I went back and looked at it, I realized it wasn't, in fact, a poem about the strange time we're living in, but about the old Bible story of Moses and his burning bush. For those of you not familiar, the story of the burning bush comes to us from the book of Exodus, the second book of both the Jewish Torah and the Christian Bible. When I looked up the passage for myself, I realized that Moses was 80 years old when he encountered God in this burning bush, telling him to go to Egypt and set the Israelites free from slavery. Only today, reading this poem, does it strike me how hard that must have been for him. It had been 40 years since he'd moved away from Egypt. I bet he'd gotten pretty used to his way of living. He probably wasn't looking to uproot his entire life and take on a new project he hadn't gone looking for. Moses makes all kinds of excuses about why he's not fit for the job. He's no good at public speaking, and this new life is going to require a lot of that. He's got a record. He killed someone in Egypt, which is why he left in the first place. But in the end, he goes. Faced with a burning bush that talks... Maybe he felt like he had no other choice. And eventually, after a bunch of truly awful plagues, it pays off. The slaves are set free. Good triumphs over evil, at least until the next big crisis. Maybe it's a stretch, but when I read that poem about Moses, I think about our country's healthcare professionals. Some of my closest friends here in Oakland are doctors and nurses. My husband and I both have doctors and nurses in our extended families. When we ask them about COVID-19, they say it's just a matter of time before they're exposed. Yesterday morning, I woke up to a text from my sister-in-law, Joyce, who is an infectious disease doc in Wisconsin. She was concerned that she'd been exposed and gotten the virus. Test results would come back within 24 hours, but in the meantime, we all waited anxiously. My parents and grandmother, who are in their 70s and 90s respectively, live with Joyce, my brother, and their kids. There was a lot of discussion in the family about what should be done, if my parents and grandmother should flee to Minnesota to live with my sister for a while. Even if Joyce's test results came back negative, 
My brother worried that if they didn't leave now, they wouldn't be able to. It's only a matter of time before a shelter-in-place mandate extends to the rest of the country, he said. If you go into the most specialties in medicine, you expect a certain amount of suffering, certainly long hours and night shifts. But I wonder how many of my friends and family in medicine imagine they'd encounter a situation like this, where going to work every day means playing Russian roulette with their health, knowing that it's only a matter of time before they lose the game and that losing could be deadly. So for all the people out there who have chosen to spend their working days caring for other people, I want to say thank you, because we need you. I know now that Jan Richardson's poem had nothing to do with the coronavirus. It's called Blessing at the Burning Bush. Still, it feels right for the times. Like Moses, we're here in the desert being asked to do something that we've never done before. Something that most of us don't yet know how to do on our own. Something maybe we're not so great at. But we don't really have a choice in the matter, so we say yes. And we hope that in the end, something good will come out of it. That maybe all of these changes will eventually make us a little freer, a little less enslaved to the things that dominated our lives in our pre-COVID-19 existence. When I went looking for Jan Richardson's website to ask for permission to use her poem today, I came across her blog, PaintedPrayerBook.com, where she originally posted the poem along with these words. Delightful is probably not the first word that comes to Moses' mind on the day that he hears God calling to him from a bush that blazes but is not consumed. Maybe terrifying, Moses thinks. Maybe overwhelming. Moses hides his face, but he does not leave. He does not turn away from the one who speaks to him and knows his name. Nearly every story in the scriptures seems in one way or another to ask us, will we open our eyes, our ears? What will we do with what we see, with what we hear? How will we bear the terrible delight of the blessing that blazes before us, that burns within us? Whatever our faith tradition, I think there's a message here for all of us. I wonder if there's a burning bush calling to me, to each of us. Maybe it's as simple as sending a text or a video message to someone on the front lines to say thank you. Maybe it's reaching out to someone who is trapped in their house with young children or someone who lives alone, who's wondering if anyone remembers them right now. For those who have medical professionals living in their midst, who know it's not a matter of if, but when, maybe it's prioritizing sleep and restful living and encouraging our loved ones to do the same if they can. Or maybe it's finding a way to take better care of yourself so that you can care for the people in your own home. Last night, my sister-in-law sent a group text to the family to say that the test came back negative. We all sent celebration emojis and virtual cheers. I checked in with Joyce, who seemed to be in good spirits. Later, I called my mom to see how she, my dad, and my grandmother were doing. I said how grateful I was that Joyce was okay. And then, without thinking, my mom and I both said, so far, she said she wished I were with them too, that I weren't so far away. I wish that too. But then we talked about all of the ways that we've become more connected these past few days with friends and family all over the country. We reminded each other of people we love who might be glad to hear from us right now. Maybe when this is all over, we can look back at this time as the time when we finally got our priorities straight and became more integrated with the people we love. If you've enjoyed this episode, you can leave a review 
share it with a friend, and subscribe to the show. The poem I read at the beginning of the episode was Blessing at the Burning Bush by Jan Richardson. I've included it in today's show notes, as well as the author's website, janrichardson.com. The Shelter in Place music was composed by Chase Horseman at Reactor Productions, and the cover art was created by Sarah Edgel. Until tomorrow, this is Shelter in Place. I'm Laura Joyce Davis.